Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in Missoula, Montana. Join me like he does each week as the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. Stone is coming to you from his broadcast center in the Sunshine State of Florida. Stone, like I always say, awful lot of games to get to. Short time to get there, but before we do that, there is some coaching news, and we're going to hear from Ken Clark from 1400 Tiger Talk down there in Jackson, Mississippi, in segment two, the next one coming up. He'll discuss the Deion Sanders situation, but what's your thoughts? I'm excited about it, man. I've talked about it time and time again down here at ESPN West Palm Beach. I'm excited, first and foremost. I do have faith in him. I like the complete and open honesty he showed to the Colorado Buffaloes that are still on the roster he said, hey, I'm bringing my own luggage, and it's Louie. And those kids he's talking about, that's Shador Sanders, the quarterback. He even, in his introductory press conference, introduced Shador. And he used, quote, that's your quarterback right there. I've never seen that pulled off or even attempted before in my entire life. Also, I love that the AD said, we don't have the money, but I know we will when it comes time to pay the man. So I think the whole situation's cool. I'm excited for it. Colorado's never finished with a recruiting class better than 35th in the country. I think they do that this year. I think it's a good move, and I think Jackson State will still be fine, right? They still rock out when it comes to attendance. So I'm optimistic about the whole situation. Well, look, when he said you can either get with the program or leave, we want kids who want to fight, who don't want to quit, who don't, who aren't going to jump in the portal and quit, I thought, man, you know I've heard that before, and so has anybody who's done a freshman year at any sort of military college. Yep. Every day, we're going to try to run you off. Let's see if we if you can stay. Games from last week. Up first, number one, South Dakota State, forty-two, Delaware, six. Stone, the Blue Hens went up three to nothing, and brother, it was all downhill from there. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I got pretty excited when they went up three nothing, but then Nolan Henderson getting bumped out of the game. It was all downhill from there. The Jackrabbits rattled off twenty-one straight. Yeah, and the rest was history, and it's funny because it was a similar scoreline to what we saw in 2021 in the FCS playoffs. I think that game ended 31-3, to I believe. This one was somewhat similar, you know, and the game played out somewhat similar as well. South Dakota State got it going on the ground, but I think they're one of the most complete football teams left. There's a few of them. South Dakota State is obviously up there at one or two, and they played like it. They showed and strutted their stuff. I loved what they put on display. Mark Ranowski doing just enough. But the big-time players are the ones who always come up when the spotlight's the brightest for South Dakota State, hence the reason that I think they're still one of the favorites to win the championship. Look, that was a pretty good Delaware defense. and Yeah, the highest-rated scoring defense in all of the FCS. Right, and SDSU just went through them like Sherman went through Georgia, sir, and I wasn't expecting (laughs) that. Number two, Sacramento State, 38, Richmond, 31. A miserable rainy day in Sacramento turned into a huge one for the Sacramento State Hornets. Playoff monkey is off of the back. Yeah, I suppose. This one was really, really hard to watch, Kev. It was torrential downpour, and you watch Richmond jump out to a quick lead, like almost a daunting lead, like one that was going to have to be climbed out of. Sac State scored right before the half and brought it to within a touchdown, I believe, and then it continued to get sloppier and sloppier and sloppier. I'll tell you what, though, Kev, I am not a fan Uh, Jake Dunaway and Asher O'Hara, the way they split reps. I've never seen it executed at this high of a clip for a really good football team, right? They're 12-0, but Jake Dunaway's got turnover problems. A lot of the times he doesn't look confident. But I will say 
Each one of them knows when they're coming out of the game. Like, they understand the assignment. But this was the first time I watched the Sac State game wire to wire, and it was really weird to watch both of these quarterbacks, just every other play, switch it in and out. I'm used to watching kind of the box score or some of the highlights or catching a fourth quarter if they're in a close game, which hasn't been many this year. But watching Jake Dunaway and Asher Harris switch reps really, really alarms me. That is not going to work if they can advance. But that was a sloppy game in the rain. Number three, North Dakota State, 49, Montana, 26. 453 yards rushing for the Bison. That's right, 453 yards rushing for North Dakota State. Just a complete woodshed job here. Yeah, I don't know who can go toe-to-toe with this offensive line. As much as we wanted to see Montana contend, we knew it was just a matter of time before one of these running backs was going to break loose. And Kobe went for a 65-yarder, a 70-yarder, a 75-yarder. I don't even remember what the numbers were, but... This offensive line is FBS material, and they put it on display against what I thought was a really good Montana front seven. So not much of a surprising result. Again, Cam Miller not having to do all that much, but this one was pretty on script to what everybody was expecting. Number four, Montana State 33, Weber State 25. Bobcats rushed the ball for 388 yards. And, you know, when you look at what the Bison did, that's kind of a ho-hum effort. That's still 388 yards against a pretty good Weber State defense. Yeah, it, it, it was awesome from Montana State. Weber State, not so much. And I know this, this scoreline only ended, you know, in a 10-point margin of victory or a little less than that, but it was not close. Montana State dominated the line of scrimmage. They dominated on third down. They dominated on third downs when they were on the defense. I, this was a really good performance by Montana State. It was one of the two teams that I gave out having value, right, plus 450 odds to win to hoist the trophy before this whole thing started them and Sanford and Montana State's been the most impressive so far I think they haven't flinched like I I said it a second ago that North Dakota State understood the assignment like Montana State understands the assignment they know what position they're in getting past this Weber State team was all they really had left in getting into that final four and I think that they're primed to kind of make a push I'm a big fan of this Montana State team right now I think they're rolling on all cylinders the way they're able to use Sean Chambers has also been a sight for sore eyes because a lot of the times when you need help right on third and short you need that guy and they have that guy so really cool to to see I'm a Bobcat guy number five William and Mary 54 Gardner Webb 14 608 total yards for the tribe it just seemed like Gardner-Webb has run out of gas. Yeah, 100% just ran out of gas. This was a uh, no contest, as they call it, Kev. Number six, Samford, 48. Southeastern Louisiana, 42 in overtime. Quincy Crittenden was outstanding. The best, you don't know you're going to play postseason performance, I think, since Don Larson's perfect game in the World Series. Yeah, you're damn right about that, because it is hard to do. I've been a part of some of those situations and it just kind of goes to show you how this team is coached, right? It's all it's as cliche as it sounds, that next man up mentality. He came out and balled. Slew was playing well, but Crindon just kind of got the job done. 40 attempts through the air and made them all count with three or four touchdown passes. Hate to see that Michael Hires got banged up, man, because he's the reason that I like this Sanford squad. Has to concern you if you're a Sanford Bulldog fan with the amount of yards and house southeastern Louisiana ran the ball on you. Going to have to try to shore that up before the trip to Fargo. Number seven, Incarnate Word, 41. Furman, 38. Lindsey Scott, what can you say? 394 yards passing, five touchdowns, 139 yards on the ground. Wow. He is a savage. Kevin, I've said it for I don't know how many months now. He's a problem. Anytime something needs to get done, and I say that plainly, he gets it done. Whether it's third and twelve. 
Like, he can do it with his legs. Whether it's a second and 25, he can make it to a short third down. Like, he's just so good situationally. Hence, he's been playing for seven years, but he's a problem. Furman played really, really well in this ball game. But the problem was they gave the ball to Lindsey Scott when it mattered most, and he made him pay. He's a sight for sore eyes, man. If, if, if you're out there and you haven't had a chance to sit down and watch an incarnate word game, go ahead and do so because I know he's going to be up for the task in Sacramento State. Scott set the FCS single-season record for touchdowns responsible for with 62 and points responsible for with 378. What an impressive season for Incarnate Word signal caller, Lindsey Scott Jr. Number eight, Holy Cross, 35, New Hampshire, 19. All right, y'all, I'll eat my crow, a big old fried crow sandwich. Holy Cross pushed New Hampshire around. It was impressive and held the CAA team to 22 yards rushing. I thought it would be the other way around. Kev, did you make me one of those uh, crow sandwiches? Yes, with Duke's AO. Even though they're not a sponsor, everybody who's Southern knows Duke's is the best. Because I need one of them crow sandwiches as well. Boy, we got our ass beat here, Kev. Holy Cross looked damn good. Matthew Saluka looked sharp as a knife. You're looking at the rushing statistics. You're looking at 300-plus for Holy Cross and 22 for New Hampshire. So... That is a recipe for how not to win a ball game if you're New Hampshire. Holy Cross looked buff, man. I loved what they were doing up front. They're a strong, strong team. But here comes them Jackrabbits. It's time for us to take a quick time out. We come back. I'll sit down with Mr. Ken Clark, the co-host of Tiger Talk 1400 out of Jackson, Mississippi. We'll discuss Deion Sanders moving on and where Jackson State goes next. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. And we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Very pleased to be joined by Mr. Ken Clark, the co-host of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. That's a great Jackson State Athletics podcast. But thanks for being here, Ken. Let's talk about the Deion Sanders situation and where Jackson State goes from here. Your thoughts on Coach Prime going to Colorado. Hey, Kevin, thank you so much for having me on, first and foremost. Um, happy to be on to speak about, you know, all things Jackson State. And uh, like you stated, co-host Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. That was an absolute loaded question. Um, Deion Sanders, I would say what a what a two years, uh, what a great ride that it has been for uh, Jackson State football Tigers and what he's been able to come and do um, in this HBCU space. Um, Coach Prime, we know uh, around 2020, he wanted to get into head football. He wanted to become a head football coach. Uh, wanted to start at the Power Five level, and uh, those opportunities that he interviewed for were not uh, necessarily afforded uh, to him. And he encountered uh, our, our athletic director, uh, Mr. Ashley Robinson, who got worried that he was looking for an opportunity. And uh, through several several conversations, was able to convince him that Jackson State was an opportunity that he could actually take a look into uh, with us being a, a great FCS program with great attendance, great fan base, so forth and so on. And um, the rest is history. September 21st, 2020, uh, he was introduced as our new head football coach. And from that point, everyone knows kind of what has happened. It has been a media storm. It has been a lot of great football played in Jackson, Mississippi, and um, great recruiting, <laughs> you know, social media marketing. I mean, the, 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 the brand of Jackson State, has taken off to a new height. So um, we always knew that this day was going to come. We, we, we knew that we knew uh, Deion Sanders wasn't going to be the head football coach forever. Uh, although we would have liked to see it uh, be a little longer, uh, he sought out a new challenge to take over Colorado Buffaloes. And um, 
As we all know, he's going to be a new head coach for them going forward. And now Jackson State is in a position where we are looking for a new head coach, which I expect us to name a new coach soon. And from there, we'll know the direction that we'll go uh, from there. But I think that the foundation has been laid. There's a lot of good things in place for the new next head football coach to come in. We've got new upgraded facilities. Uh, still got some more things we're working on in the football department as far as facilities. Uh, coach Prime blessed us uh, with, with a partnership with Walmart to get a new practice field. Uh, like I stated, uh, several new uniforms with a new sponsorship um, and apparel deal with Under Armour. And so many other things that it'll take probably all day to kind of mention that he's been able to do. Uh, when you lose a figure like is that, uh, like a Deion Sanders, there is only one Deion Sanders. So um, where you go from here, it just depends on which direction we like to go. Are we looking to try to make a big splash and continue along the same vein as a Deion Sanders, which we know we can never probably reach that mountaintop again? Or do you go more of a, you know, I would say um, lesser of a route? And that's something one that you're looking for, maybe a long-term replacement. And I think we all will know his soon uh, what Ashley Robinson, who is a great, phenomenal athletic director, decides to do. Were there people in the Jackson State community and in the HBCU community who expected Deion Sanders to be Eddie Robinson or Willie Jeffries? I think that if there were, that was kind of unrealistic thinking, wasn't it? It was. I mean, we were we were wowed uh, by the um, opening press conference and speech and the things that he went on to say. Uh, he talked about leveling the playing field. He talked about creating a highway from HBCU um, to the NFL, um, which in his time so far we saw we he did get one draft pick. Uh, James Houston was drafted sixth round uh, to the Detroit Lions, and we have some expectation of some players on this current roster uh, that should get drafted, and we hope that they get drafted in the 2023 uh, draft. But the things that he said – I say, I'll say it this way, and I said it on, on our show uh, recently. I said the dream that Deion Sanders sold is a dream that we've always wanted to realize in HBCU space. We've always wanted to feel like the playing field was level. But there's so many other factors that, like I said, it would take a case study in days and weeks and uh, to try to really explain the differences and why we are in some of the conditions that we are in uh, historically. Uh, severely underfunded as in program type situations. So um, when you hear that, when you hear someone like a Deion Sanders, it's very believable. And we did believe, even coined the hashtag, I believe, right? Um, we know there's a new hashtag he has when he's going to, going to Colorado, which is I'm coming. Uh, because what I do see, though, I see a, believe it or not, I see a youthful spirit in Deion Sanders where he's living out a dream that he's always wanted. And I'm happy for him in that sense. But if we were being realistic about the dream and the vision that he sold for HBCUs, that's not a two, three, even four-year or five-year uh, strategy. That's more of a 10 to 20-year. We're talking a couple of decades, and it has to be a lifelong mission to plant your feet in the HBCU space, preferably at Jackson State, and be willing to overcome all the many obstacles that are in place to keep us from being in that position. So um, I think his heart was in the right place. And I think he did some wonderful things. I think he laid a foundation and he gave us a blueprint of what it can look like if we address some of the issues. So it's on us now. It's on us. I said that last night on my YouTube page. It's on us as Jackson State alums, supporters, and fans to make sure that we ask the right questions, to make sure that we're willing to step up to the plate and do whatever we need to do 
to close some of the gaps of some of the things that we may complain that we don't have. You get what I'm saying? So uh, I don't think that Benny feel like he sold us a dream. He 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 dipped out, <laughs> you know, way before he had time to really uh, fulfill that dream uh, for us. But if we're being honest, it was a tall order, even from the first time he said it. So we we want to live with the things that we were able to gain because this was a partnership slash marriage and both sides really, really, really benefited from it. And we need to celebrate. That needs to be the main story and not so much as, well, he left early or he didn't do this or he didn't do that. I feel like Jackson State should be appreciative of the time we had with Deion Sanders and Deion Sanders should also be appreciative of Jackson State. I'll say this one last thing and I'll let you go. I tweeted this. I said, Deion Sanders elevated Jackson State University. But Jackson State University elevated Coach Prime. That was, and, I, and I stand on that because Coach Prime really wasn't a coach on this level or on the college level until he got that opportunity at Jackson State. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Ken Clark, the co-host of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. And Ken, how can people follow the show and get your show and follow you on social media? Yes, Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. We're on Spotify, we're on Anchor, Google Podcasts, all your major podcast outlets. That's Tiger, T-I-G-E-R, with W-I-T-H, the T-H-E, 1400 Club, spelled with a K, 1400-K-L-U-B. Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. We're on Spotify. We're also on YouTube. And just like I said, just type in Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. You can find me directly on my YouTube as well as my social media. It's Ken Clark, K-E-N-C-L-A-R-K, underscore 1400. I do live streams um, maybe uh, usually three to four times a week. And it kind of provides... It provides uh, our supporters and listeners kind of a peep under the tent where we can kind of let our hair down from the actual podcast. So we'd love to have as many eyes and supporters. If you're looking for some great JSU football content and all sports-related content, feel free to tap in, and I'm appreciative for being able to come on your show. Hey, thank you, Ken. And look, Stone Lebanowitz and I don't want you peeping under our tent, so I'm glad that you give people an opportunity to do that to you. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, it does. I mean, we – uh, uh, D. Corey C. is the producer of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. I mean, we are very buttoned up on the show. We, you know, but I'm I'm more of your your radical outside of the box uh, kind of guy. And, and people, not not too controversial, nothing um, nothing crazy or anything. But it's just more of the live interactions with fans. And we have a lot of questions, a lot of, and people have really gravitated towards that type of activity. And uh, it allows us to be a little bit more personable. So. Uh, Ken Clark underscore 1400, Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate you being here, dude. Hey, I appreciate you having me, Kevin. Go Tigers. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Tory Pines Pub in Las Vegas, Nevada. Whether you're looking for a cold drink on a hot day or a place to try out that hot hand when you're feeling lucky, Tory Pines Pub has what you're looking for. Tory Pines Pub caters to sports fans and hosts Montana Grizzlies games every football season. Not only are you going to find the Grizz on TV, but if you ask them, they'll put on whatever FCS game you want. So when you're in Las Vegas, make your way to the corner of Tory Pines and Lake Mead Boulevard to the Tory Pines Pub and tell them FCS Nation sent you. ToryPinesPub.com. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto 
Radio Network. Many thanks to Mr. Ken Clark for coming on and talking about Deion Sanders and the future at Jackson State University. Stone Labanowitz returns here, and this is now the preview segment. Let's preview the playoff games taking place this week. Up first, number eight, Holy Cross, is at number one, South Dakota State. Stone, Holy Cross, manhandled New Hampshire up front last week, not just on the offensive line, but on the defensive line, too. Kind of a tougher test this week for the Crusaders, that's for sure. Yeah, not just kind of. It just flat out is. That's a fact that this is a tougher test, this Jackrabbit team. You know, what I'm surprised to see in complete honesty, Kev, is this 15-and-a-half-point spread. South Dakota State's favored in a big way, and that says a lot about what not only Vegas, but, you know, majority of FCS, the public, thinks about Holy Cross. And I know we side with the public there. We don't think too much of the Patriot League Holy Cross Crusader squad. But they look good last week, and a lot of the things that they do well, I think, match up well with South Dakota State. We watched South Dakota State struggle with Villanova in this spot last year in the playoffs. I can see something like this happening this time, this go-around. And it's not like I'm switching sides, right? I'm not just totally jumping ship. I was a Holy Cross hater all season long. But Matthew Saluka, God, he was impressive. He was nails down the stretch of that game, and it wasn't all that close. And I, I think he kept his foot on the pedal. And that mentality kind of impressed me and proved to me that they don't want to go to South Dakota State and just be there. They want to go to South Dakota State and win. But ultimately, I think South Dakota State, with their ability to be bigger up front and how they rush the ball, I think the Jackrabbits will prevail here. But I think this might be a sneaky, fun game. A lot of what Holy Cross does is off of play action, right, Stone? Yeah, absolutely. So you got to run the ball first to make that effective, correct? And this is a South Dakota State defense that held Delaware to 64 yards rushing last week. So if you're faced with that sort of a situation where you're probably not going to be able to run the ball as effectively as you would like to set up what you want to do down the field, I think you're going to have to see Holy Cross run some screens here, run some screen passes, try to get some guys who are used to handling the football between the tackles, get them the ball in some space. And I just don't – I think that's your, that's your way to counter what that pass rush is going to be like from South Dakota State, which has been ferocious all year. Nobody's been able to run the ball against them. They have a number one rushing defense in all the football championship subdivision. So you kind of have to use that against them, right? And you have to kind of work your offense backwards from how you want to. Instead of running to set up the pass, I think you're going to have to pass a little bit to set up the run. What's your take on that? Kev, I absolutely love that you said that. I'm going to take it a step further. So there are things called openers, right, in college football. If, if, if you're not a coach or a player, you don't know what they are. So openers are a scripted first 15 plays of the game that you run each and every game. You go through them during the week, and you have meetings with your quarterbacks, right? And you say, here are the 15 plays that we're going to try to stay on script and run. You're right on the money, Kev. I actually – you have my gears turning because – Holy Cross is going to have to try to surprise South Dakota State early on. So expect shots down the field on first and second down in this first quarter because you're right. The last thing these guys want to do is get put in third and long situations because it's so obvious that they want to run the ball on first and second down and then run some play action stuff. So expect some shots early and often down the field for Matthew Saluka and Holy Cross. You're right on the money there, Kev. Number seven, Incarnate Word, is at number two, Sacramento State. And Stone with that last one. You don't got to tell me that I'm right, man. From now on, we'll just assume that. How's that? <laughs> Say <All right>. less. <laughs> okay, all right. Number seven, Incarnate Word, is that number two, Sacramento State? Look, Richmond dared the Hornets to pass the ball last week. 
and Sac State did just that, over 400 yards through the air. It wasn't especially pretty, though. When you looked at the stat line, it was like 400 yards passing. Where did that come from? Yeah, here's the thing that uh, I'm having a tough time with. There's nothing you can take away from that Sacramento State game last week. That's, that's my opinion. But in torrential downpour, you were watching some of the quarterbacks, Jake Dunway and Asher O'Hara, just kind of shot put the ball, like just hoping to get it there on a crossing route, hoping to complete the slant route. And same thing was going for the squad on the other side, right? That Richmond team. They could not push the ball down the field or do anything in the past game. So this was a weird and really hard game for me to read because I don't actually look at those 400 yards passing and take them all that seriously because they were done really sloppily. So this game's interesting to me. Sacramento State's favored by six and a half points. I think Incarnate Word is live. I think this is going to have to depend on Incarnate Word's defense. Are they going to put this Sacramento State Hornet team in weird down and distances, a third and 12, which they're not or I'm confident that they can't succeed all that well consistently in the game. So I think Incarnate Word has a good shot here. I'm just kind of don't have anything to go off of because of last week was so weird, and it's not a game that I got a lot of notes on. Well, look, it's funny you say that shot put because my wife, who is a huge 49ers fan, right, she said to me, why are both of these guys throwing the ball just like Philip Rivers? <laughs> exactly. Because that is exactly what it looked like, wasn't it? Yeah, 100%. Literally like Philip Rivers or like somebody doing the shot put. I love it. Right. And and when she said Philip Rivers, I, I immediately moved away from her on the couch because we're too old to be having any more children. You know? So, uh, you know, if, if you just mention his name and you sit too close to a woman, we all know what happened. That's right. But, uh, but look, Lindsey Scott Jr., can win this game, and I just don't think he has to. They can run the football, and their defense is good enough, right? I mean, it's put them in situations to win football games. I think if you're incarnate word, you've just got to do what you do and maybe tell Lindsey Scott Jr., hey, I get that you can throw touchdowns while you're falling down, but let's take care of the football. No more of those bad reads for pick sixes like you had against Furman. If it's not there and you can't run away, eat it and let's live to go another down because you know what Sacramento State's going to try to do. They're going to try to limit the possessions, run the football, be the more physical team. And if possessions are going to be limited, you got to make everyone count if you're incarnate word. I think this will be a whale of a game soon. Kev, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about telling Lindsey Scott to take care of the football, right? That's easy to say, but... You know, it's like telling Matthew Stafford to take care of the football. It's like telling Brett Favre, you know, to take care of the football. Like, these guys' his play style is wide open. Like, they like to take risks, and the coaches know it. Like, Mark Leftwich, quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, like, they all live and die with the, the pick six you saw early in that game last week. Like, I think it's just something that comes with Lindsey Scott because if you do get him thinking – He's not going to be himself. He's not going to be willing to throw the ball when he's two inches away from his literal butt being on the turf. I don't know. It's something uh, I've played with some quarterbacks before who are wide open. I feel like you know a a percentage of me was wide open, and whenever you tried to put me in a box or tell me to do certain things, well, then I was thinking too much, and then I was hesitating on letting it rip on a dig route trying to hit a first or second window, like being so specific. So sometimes I think you just can't put the line in a cage. You just got to let him go. And if he's going to throw an interception, have that defense ready to go. It's, 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 it's an interesting study, I think. But telling Lindsey Scott to be conservative is not easy to do. <laughs> I mean, there's a difference between conservative and reckless, right? Right. You know? So 
I mean, you got to walk that tightrope, walk that fine line, ride that lightning, if mm. you will, like Dusty Rhodes would have said. Ride the edge of that lightning bolt. And if you can do that, which he has done quite successfully all year, man, you've got a really good shot to go into Sacramento oh, yeah. and win a game a lot of people don't think you can win because they look at you as kind of a, a soft Southland team. Throws the ball. Can't be physical against the most physical running attack not named NDSU or SDSU in the country. I'm looking forward to this one. Number six, Samford travels to the Fargo Dome to take on the number three seed North Dakota State Bison. If I'm a Samford Bulldog fan, a couple of things. You gave up 348 yards rushing to southeastern Louisiana last week. Stone, that would trouble me a lot. But here's what I think. They give up about 175 yards per game on the ground, the Bulldogs do. In a pretty run-heavy SOCON, I think they've got a more than a puncher's chance here. If they can just only give up their average, Stone, don't let NDSU 300, 400 yards rushing. If they can hold them to 200 or less, I think they've got a shot here. Uh, I don't know if you've been drinking or anything, Kev. I mean, those not, those not are yet. those those sound like pipe dreams. I mean, they just gave up that number to southeastern Louisiana, and now you got to go into Fargo. I know they don't have Hunter Lepke, but you got to go into Fargo and try to let up your average. I mean, it's not. It's just not going to happen. A, a few things, in my opinion. So, if Michael Hires isn't a go, right? We tried to see him step into that game, throw four or five passes, whatever it was, and his wrist injury was just too much for him. I, I don't think he plays personally. I haven't seen too much on Twitter, but I don't think he plays. Corinthians going to have to be crispy clean if he wants to give his team a chance because if you put this North Dakota State team in decent field position, you're going to find yourself down 17-0, 21-0, and then this game's over. Like, Crittendon's going to need to play so clean because we know that North Dakota State is going to bust a couple of runs on third and long, bust a couple of runs on downs where you think you have them. And I think that's what they do best, honestly, is just come through in, in big moments in games. And now this one's in Fargo without Michael Hires. The spread is said at 16 and a half at Bet MGM Kev. I feel bad for Sanford. A couple of weeks ago, our episode, I gave out Sanford at plus 2,900, 29 to 1 odds. And that was all because of Michael Hires, and they don't have him. So personally, all hope is lost, but be excited to see it. If Crittendon wants to turn into a gamer like he looked like last week, I would love to see these buys and go down. I just don't think it happens. Well, Stone my SoCon homerism has to show through somewhere, right? I mean, I, mean, I suppose. I, I bit my lip and didn't mention that holding call on the Incarnate Word Furman game. <laughs> Thank God. So, so, I mean, you've got to let me have Hope Springs Eternal here with the other set of Bulldogs from the Southern Conference, but we'll see. I believe Sanford will go up there and will shock the world. They'll play extremely well. They'll keep this game close. And if you can be in a four-quarter game in the Fargo Dome, who knows what can happen. Hey, I'm rooting for it. I love it. Sounds good. Number five, William & Mary is at number four, Montana State. Stone, these teams are remarkably similar, aren't they? They both run the ball a lot out of the shotgun with the quarterback at a lot of different angles. And the defenses are really stout, although William & Mary has the better defensive group, which might surprise a lot of people. But uh, going to be very interesting over there in Bozeman. Going to be cold. But you know what? Williamsburg, Virginia ain't exactly Miami in December either. So I don't think this is going to be a situation where the cold's going to be a shock. 
the loud crowd's going to be a shock. I think William and Mary's built for it, bro. Unsurprising for me to hear you say. Um, we've been rocking with these Bobcats all season long, and you're giving William and Mary a chance here. here, here here's what what I think's going down. Darius Wilson doesn't have enough in his arsenal. I, I think he is one of the most complete quarterbacks in all of the FCS when it comes to, and I you know I don't even believe in this word, but being a game manager. But he embraces it, right? He he has games where he lets it go 12 times in the air and then does it all on the ground. I think he almost had 100 yards rushing last week. Did really well through the air. He, he's really complete. He's really cons- really smart. You talk about conservative play with Incarnate Word. That's what they need to do. Well, that's what you get from Tommy Malott and Darius Wilson. So I think this could be a clean, fun game. I just don't know if these both of these teams find the end zone all that much. You mentioned how good William & Mary's defense is. I think this one's going to be somewhat low scoring. But I like Tommy Malott and Montana State. I think these guys are, are hitting on all cylinders at the right time. And I think... William and Mary's a team that's not built to come from behind, right? They're not a team that can erase leads. Darius Wilson hasn't shown us the ability to go on a 75-yard, 12-place going drive with seven passes, right? Like he just hasn't been able to do that. We haven't even seen him seen him attempt it this season. I feel like so. I think Montana State's going to put William and Mary in these weird spots, and I I think eventually it'll get out of reach for the tribe. But you're right, William and Mary. That defense is pretty freaking nasty. We we've seen them forced turnovers, tackles for loss. They're one of the best in the country. So for that reason, I give them a fighting chance. But I like this Bobcat team a lot. Like I said, I think they're firing on all cylinders. Look, Sean Chambers and Tommy Malott, I think they do what Troy Taylor and Sacramento State wants to do, right? Yes. Uh, their their quarterback uh, situation. Although, look, man, it's hard to say, hey, Coach Taylor, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You're 12 and freaking <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, you're getting paid to do this. Uh, we're getting paid to talk about it. But uh, I think that this is what he envisioned. Chambers can do it all. Malott can do it all. But the Montana State passing game down the field, it still consists of a lot of 50-50 ball stone. And you have to have a feeling that one of these games, that 50-50 thing is not going to be in your favor, dude. Now, I haven't agreed with you more because I hate watching that kind of ball. It, it, well, you know what it tells me? It tells me that you haven't shown your coaches enough in practice for them to let you kind of go through progression reads, right? Like go through starting on the left side and making your way all the way to the right and then finding the check down or kind of starting with a man and zone read, right? If you if you get man coverage on the left, we're throwing here. If you get zone coverage on the right, we're, like they don't give Tommy Malott these opportunities. And the answer or the reason for that is because he hasn't shown them the ability to. So they chuck the ball down the field, sometimes 50-50 ball. The tribe secondary is full of studs. So again, Kev, I'm going to tell you, I think you're right on the money there. On that note, we'll take a break. Thanks, Stone. And coming back will be <laughs> and coming back will be Brendan from Jack Rabbit Illustrated. And we'll talk about not inflation and its effect on third world economies with the guy from Jack Rabbit Illustrated, but we'll talk about the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio <laughs> Network. Hi there, this is Flash from Bikers Against Bullies USA, and we are a not-for-profit group created by bikers, but not limited to bikers. We are committed to creating awareness and educating both kids and adults on the benefits of living in a society of respect for each other combined with self-empowerment. Bikers Against Bullies USA was started in Missoula, Montana. The very real fact is that kids are kids, and they're dying by their own hands each week due to the insidious nature of the psychological and emotional trauma created by today's bullying attempts. Our personal philosophy is that one dead child is one too many. 
I personally ask you to stand up, support us, and by doing so, you're making a difference. We cannot change things without you, your support, and I thank you in advance. You can get a hold of us at BikersAgainstPoliceUSA.com or Facebook, Bikers Against Police USA. High Country Club, Bar and Casino, located 209 Main Street in beautiful and historic downtown Stevensville, Montana, is your headquarters for watching sports in Ravalli County. When football season rolls around again, the only place to be in the Bitterroot Valley to watch your Grizz or your Bobcats is the High Country Club, Bar and Casino, 209 Main Street in beautiful downtown Stevensville, Montana. That's the High Country Club, Bar and Casino, 777-9910. RW Stump Grinding, Central Virginia's premier stump removal company, strives to be professional, courteous, and fair. Founded in 2017 by Reggie West, RW Stump Grinding provides quality stump removals to protect your largest investments, your home and property. Attempting to remove stumps yourself can be dangerous and time-consuming. Trust the pros at RW Stump Grinding to get the job done right the first time. Call RW Stump Grinding at 804 804- 366-4321 or look them up on the web at rwstump.com. And remember, if a stump has you stress, call Reggie West. Are you ready for new windows? Renewal by Anderson's windows are the best you can get and their awesome Black Friday event is backed by popular demand. This is an incredible offer and you don't have to get up early or stand in line. You don't even have to wait until Black Friday. You can book your estimate right now. Listen to this. Renewal by Anderson is giving 20% off every window. And depending on how many windows you get, you'll receive a Visa gift card for up to $1,500. Imagine getting awesome new Renewal by Anderson windows and a lot of spending cash for Christmas. It's fantastic. The financing offer is so great. No money down. No interest or payments for 18 months. Think about that. You get your new windows now, and you don't even have to make a payment until 2024. Wow. It's a very limited time offer, though. It starts on Black Friday, November 25th. It runs through December 9th. Please do not wait to book your free estimate right now. Just go to rbamontana.com. That's rbamontana.com to set up your free estimate. Renewal by Anderson. Make a great investment this Black Friday. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Very pleased to be joined now by Mr. Brendan Lidke. He's one of the hosts of the podcast on Jackrabbit Illustrated, which is a great, great thing. If you want to find out about South Dakota State Jackrabbit Athletics, give him a shout, give him a subscribe. You won't regret it. Thanks for being here, Brendan. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Kevin. So far, so good for the Jackrabbits, right? I mean, the defense has been outstanding. You've run the ball, and you're getting solid quarterback play. All those things are good things this time of the year. Yeah, it's really working out well uh, so far for the Jacks with leaning on their really, really strong defense and running an offense that isn't necessarily the same style that was there when Jason Eck was the offensive coordinator. It's more of um, a little bit control the ball, don't do as many as uh, explosive plays, and just control the time of possession and really grind teams down with rotating the defensive line, and it's worked out really well for them so far. Well, you all have got after the quarterback, especially last week, and when you're facing Holy Cross, sometimes that's not going to be a good thing. You kind of need to keep Saluka in the pocket, don't you? He makes dangerous, dangerous plays when he's on the run outside of it. Absolutely. He's an extremely dangerous quarterback, especially uh, when he does get flushed out of the pocket. He can hurt you in a lot of different ways. Uh, the one thing that ha- – and that's been a big issue for the Jacks in the past, um, in previous years when they were facing a running quarterback, but they've done a really good job up to this point of the season in – being very, very disciplined in their uh, pass rushing lanes and keeping quarterbacks that are 
similar to Sluka, maybe not as talented as he is at getting outside of the pocket, but keeping them contained and forcing them to stay in the pocket to get pressure to him. If you had to nitpick, and I've listened to some Jackrabbit fans whose opinion I respect, the only real problem this year has been on punt returns, hasn't it? Not been very good there. Yeah, special teams has had some hiccups, and I would even go so far as some of it early in the season. They had issues with um, the blocking on punts and their and their extra points and field goals as well, but they've seemed to really clean that up here in the second half of the year. There's just been a couple times where um, the punt returners have made either some questionable decisions that have backfired on them because the you know Yankees are great punt returners and they're extremely dangerous, but they do have that ability to want to take risks that maybe they shouldn't, and that's bit them a couple times in the last couple of days. Well, it's hard to get on those twins, right? I mean, they are probably the best two sets of twins to ever play FCS football. Yeah, I pretty much think so. You want the balls in, in their hands because when they get the when they have the ball in their hands, something special usually happens. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Brendan Lidke, one of the hosts from Jack Rabbits Illustrated. What has surprised you about this team when you look back to what you thought they would be preseason? Is it that you know Isaiah Davis hasn't had the year a lot of people thought he would? He's had a good year, but he hasn't had to carry the load, has he? No, he really hasn't, um, and. You know, I don't think so much that's been a huge surprise for Jackrabbit fans or us at Jackrabbit Illustrated that he didn't have to carry everything because a lot of the talk before the year was about how many weapons this offense really does have between the Yankee twins, Tucker Kraft, Hines, um, and then Isaiah in the backfield, Mark Gronowski using his legs. It's almost a question with the offense of is there enough balls to go around to get in the playmakers' hands and keep them happy. Thankfully, they're very um, – unselfish group but as far as a surprise goes I think we had some concern with how the defensive backfield would perform and how the defensive line would perform and the defensive line especially have really not just met standards they have exceeded it and they've done an incredible job well that team is built around the 605 hogs isn't it talk about that group yeah they were a little bit rocky to start the season um there was some gelling after losing a couple of key players off the offensive line and bringing in guys like John O'Brien, a transfer from Bullard Green, onto the right side of the line while you have your, you know, all-conference players on the left, probably All-Americans with Greenfield and McCormick on the left side, and then moving uh, Eddie Miller to the, to the center position. Um, there was a little bit of time that it took them to gel, but as the season's progressed, they've just gotten better and better, and at this point, they're really a seamless unit who's been pushing a lot of teams all over the field against some really good defenses like Delaware and Illinois State. I think it's telling, too, about who y'all are as a fan base and as a football team. There's only one Division One school in the Dakotas that plays outside. Yeah, um, I think that's a big badge of honor for uh, a healthy amount of the fan base and then especially the team especially to be the team that does play outside. You know, I grew up in, in northern Wisconsin where all your football is played outside, so to me, that's a that's where football is meant to be played instead of some cavernous building that maybe looks like a grain shed. Um, but uh, shots fired, a huge shots home- fired. <laughs> it's a huge home field advantage uh, when it comes to times like this in the playoffs. Um, the the so far the crowds have shrunk obviously since the uh, regular season, but the crowds that are there are just obnoxiously loud and the team really, really does seem to thrive in that sort of weather, punishing teams that aren't used to playing in the cold wind and the Dakotas like it gets. 
Well, one of the things that I've noticed going back and watching film of Holy Cross is that they're a good football team. They're also a little chippy. Going to have to keep your poise, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I, they, they like to play through the echo of the whistle. Um, I think some of that's just being having a chip on their shoulder from, you know, maybe certain radio hosts calling them holy fraud. <laughs> they do, uh, they have a chip on their shoulder and they, they show that with their play and they're going to do things to try to cause your players to make dumb mistakes and get penalties for reacting to them. And the Jacks are going to really have to make sure they play, stay within themselves and don't get drawn into those sorts of situations. I mean, I get paid to have an opinion, you know, and sometimes that opinion <laughs> isn't shown to be right yet. So let's stick with the yet. So, Brendan, what kind of ball game do you think this will be? Should we look for a high-scoring game? If it is high-scoring, which side does that favor? Um, if it's high-scoring, honestly, that probably would favor Holy Cross because that means they've unlocked something that very few teams have been able to who are prime, who predicate themselves on running the ball, and that's putting up a lot of points on the Jackrabbits. The teams that have had success tended to be like a UNI or a UND who are heavily predicated on the quick passing game and then gashing you deep as opposed to a team like Holy Cross who they need to run the, run the ball to have their play action passes and things work to gash you deep. So I think a high scoring game might actually favor Holy Cross. I just think that this is a tough matchup for Holy Cross when it comes to putting up a lot of points on the board and they need to, have their defense do something to slow down the offense of SDSU now that they are really clicking. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Brendan Lidke from Jackrabbit Illustrated. Go give them a follow. Brendan, tell people how they can follow you all on Twitter and other social media. Yep, follow us on Twitter at Jackrabbit Illustrated, or it's actually at Jack Illustrated on Twitter. Um, that's the main Twitter handle for Jackrabbit Illustrated. You can find us on um, Facebook at Jackrabbit Illustrated, or you can find our podcast on Anchor, on Spotify, on Apple, um, FCS Fans Nation Podcast Network. Um, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can generally find the A team and the B team chopping it up somewhere. Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for the fix segment. This is where Stone Labanowitz and I butt face mask and pick the games taking place this week. Only got four games this week, Stone. And we're running out of pick segments, dude. You know, and, and I know it's getting to, the, to that time of the year, right? But look, 15-1 and one are the home teams so far, and the seeds were 8-0 last week. I don't know if anything is going to change in the home teams winning all these games. We'll see. Let's get to it. Up first, number eight, Holy Cross is at number one, South Dakota State. Who you got and why, Stone? <sighs> All right, I'm going to take South Dakota State in this game. 35-28 to 28 is what I think that final score line will be. I do think Holy Cross makes this interesting early, and I think you kind of made me lean that way. I think they're going to be aggressive early on in this first quarter and try to jump out to a lead. We saw Delaware get out to that 3-0 lead, and I think they would have continued to apply the pressure if Nolan Henderson was still in that game. I think Matthew Saluka's got the tools to do just that. South Dakota State better not fall into a lull. They better let that Brookings crowd get them going, and I think they'll eventually prevail, but by only a touchdown. So I got them Jack Rabbits getting out of there 35-28 in what is a feisty home crowd. Look, I think Mark Ranowski is going to have plenty of time to sit back there and survey the field. And we all know if you give him time, he can pick you apart. And he can also make plays outside the pocket with his legs. I think he's going to need to do that. 
the running game is going to be there with Isaiah Davis. And look, those 605 hogs up front for South Dakota State, mm. I think Holy Cross is going to find out that that's a little different than playing New Hampshire, right? <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But if you're Matthew Saluka, man, the best way to get into what you want to do is hit them with some big plays with your legs. Make them spy you. Make them not be able to cover your guys as well as they're going to want to on the outside and hit them deep. They're going to have to make some big plays, and they're capable of it. Saluka, if he's out of the pocket, has made a lot of big plays this season. They're going to need several of those if they're to go into Brookings, South Dakota, and beat the Jackrabbits. Yeah, Kev, I'm going to go on record and make a statement right here. One of the five first plays that Holy Cross runs is going to be a go ball on the outside, whether it's left side, right side, I don't know that. But one of the first five plays they run is going to be a deep shot down the field. You can book it. Put that on record. Take the Jackrabbits at home over Holy Cross, 38-17. Number seven, Incarnate Word, is at number two, Sacramento State. Stone? Boy, I've been waiting. Word versus Sacramento State. Should be a really good one. Oh, I feel like I've been waiting all season for this game. And I'm a big Vegas guy. I love to pay attention to lines, right? Where the public money's going, where all the bets are going. Like, I need to know all of that. Whenever you see a line under a number like seven, this one's at six and a half. Like, they're not confident. And if they're not confident, then I'm going to be super confident about incarnate word here. I think that number is right where I want it to be. I think... The word are live. I think they're barking dogs right now. I think Lindsey Scott is ready for this game. He has bounced around. He's on his fifth school for this moment right here. I think Lindsey Scott shines brighter than the sun. He's going to take down the Sacramento State team. One thing scaring me, though, Kev, and that is rain on the radar. But I trust Lindsey Scott throwing the ball in the rain more than I do Jake Dunaway and Asher O'Hara, who I saw throw the ball last week, like Phillip Rivers, like they were Olympic shot putters. I like Incarnate Word. I think they're live. They're going to get this one done 45-42 in what is a sweaty popcorn match. I couldn't agree with you more here, Stone. And one of the things that's been very telling to me is that 15 games in a row, Sacramento State has held the opposing quarterback to 60% or less completion percentage. Ooh. But that's not really something that bothers Lindsey Scott Jr. No way. It? I mean, he does throw the ball and complete them at a high percentage, but he wants the big play. And I think it's going to be there. And Sacramento State's played a whole lot of close ball games, extremely close ball games. And a lot of things have bounced their way and happened for them to be where they are. Man, you know what? I think that ends today. Give me incarnate word over the number two seed Sacramento State. 42-35. Let's go. Number six, Samford is at number three, North Dakota State. All right. I think the Bayes are going to truck their way through these Bulldogs here. But I'm only going 30-21 to 21 because I think it's going to get sloppy on the offensive side because both of these defenses can play some ball. I do worry, though, that North Dakota State jumps out to an early lead. I've talked about Montana State not being able to kind of erase a deficit. I don't think Sanford can do that either because Crittendon's under center, right? If Michael Hires was there, I'm picking Sanford here through and through, right? The reason that I gave out plus 2,900 is because I figured they could get by the Bison in this quarterfinal matchup. So (sighs) this is tough. No Hunter Lepke, but I still think the big boys up front end up scaring the life into Sanford and these guys are going to have 300-plus yards rushing, and it's going to be pretty on script for what every single FCS fan, coach, player, which is what they've seen in the past, and that's just a dominant performance on the ground. I think we see it again. So I got North Dakota State, got the Bison coming out of this one 30-21. to 
21 over the dogs. Look, North Dakota State's been straight bullying people in the running game all year, Stone. And you and I have been waiting for them to open up the offense and be more dynamic in the passing game. But, man, I've been waiting for like three years for that. (laughs) You know, and they just haven't had to do it. And they're just not going to do it unless you force them to do. And I don't think Sanford is going to be able... They can put nine guys in the box. I don't think it'll matter. That Rams group up front is just so good for North Dakota State. But look, your chances if you're Sanford are decent. If you can tackle the guy with the ball, none of this running it into the line by NDSU and then squirting out of the line for 78-yard touchdown. If Sanford can do that and play clean, they can hang around. And I think they will, just like you, Stone. I don't think they'll get run out of that building, but if Michael Hires was there, it might be a different story. But, you know, if a bullfrog had wings, he wouldn't bump his butt so much when he hopped, right? So Right, I think. Uh, yeah, give me NDSU at home, 28-17 to 17 over Samford. Number five, William & Mary is at number four, Montana State. I think Montana State puts the handcuffs on Darius Wilson. I think when it's all said and done, his box score is going to be pretty ugly, pretty sloppy. He's going to have a few turnovers on there, which I said earlier is unlike him. But this Montana State team is hitting on all cylinders. That is the third or fourth time I've said that. I think it's because I believe it so much. I think this is a crispy football team who knows what their ultimate goal is, and that's to put the trophy in the air with two hands on it. So I like the Bobcats. I'm going final score line, 38-24. Again, this is similar to what I've said about past teams, but if William & Mary wants to win this game, they have to come out aggressive in that first quarter. They have to try to assert their dominance, right? Like, hey, we're here. We're not going anywhere. We want this 10-0 lead. We want this 14-0 lead. We want you guys to wake up. We want to wake these fans up. And if they want to win this game, Darius Wilson can't play sloppy like I think he's going to. He needs to be really, really good. He needs to complete over 70% of his passes and hit the ground running, too. Too much Tommy Malott, too much Sean Chambers, and now you add back running back All-American Isaiah Fonse. Yeah, not fair, Bobcats. Take Montana State over William & Mary in Bozeman, 31-21. Folks, we're out of time. Stone, it really snuck up on us this week, but we're out of time. We've got to go. We'll be back next week. For Stone Labanowitz, I'm Kevin Marshall, reminding you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules, and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.